I appreciate your heart. I'm really thankful for what God has been doing in your family and your life and the life of you, your husband. And uh, we are praying about this quarter situation as well. Let's go to the Lord once again in prayer. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you have come and provided a way for us sinners that we might be reconciled to you, we might be saved. And as Dory pointed out in that story, that it was at very severe cost that you came and you gave your life on the cross, suffering under the just judgment of Almighty God in my place. We thank you for that. And I pray that as we're here in this room this morning, that there are those here that have not come to you and called upon your name and sought to seek your face, that they will do that, that you will move in each heart, bring us to the point of surrender, the point of commitment. You come to do good things to us, and to follow you and to surrender to you is the very best thing that we can do. So I pray that you'll be working in each heart and each life, and I pray that with mine as well, that we would really know and love you and serve you and put you first. Pray this morning as we are looking at um, Colossians and starting to look at the putting on of the new man that you will speak to our hearts and help us to understand these things. Help me to be clear. Pray that my mind, my heart will be sensitive to you and that you would give me liberty of expression and and the clarity of thought that Jesus Christ would be exalted here in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name and thanksgiving. Amen. I appreciate what uh, we were looking at this morning, by the way, in Sunday school. I wanted to mention that uh, there was a very, very clear statement. And the, one of the things that came out in my thinking as we were talking about these things is that there is a lot of confusion, a lot of deception. Um, it is easy for us to, in our day to be sidetracked. Uh, the Bible talks about the depravity of the human heart. And we can see that not only outside the church, we do see it outside the church with, with all the violence that's taking place and the political struggles and the things that are going on. Uh, you, you, at least I'm not, I can't imagine a time where there's been more confusion rampant than there is today. But there's also that depravity inside the church of, of people thinking that they're gods or thinking that they are some kind of super saints or whatever. And we were talking about people who counsel uh, and try to counsel without scripture and without other things. And we're holding those people up as examples. Um, and I think that's true. We do, we do see these examples. But the, the issue that I would like to set before you is not to look at someone else, but look at yourself. 
because the area of deception begins with you and with myself. Because we can be mistaken, we can be wrong, we can we can be deceived, and you don't want to be deceived. At this point, this is that that cry that the the Lord said to those people when they stood before Him and they used the term Lord, Lord, which is a a term of intimacy with that they have with their with their Lord, and they say, Lord, Lord. Didn't we do these religious things? And he will say to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's a serious, serious, serious condemnation to people who think they're in the church and think they're okay. And so I, I just lay that out before you and for myself, that we want to be always sensitive to who the Lord is and his call and to be one of the best places is to go to the Word and to make sure that you spend some time in the Word uh, every day and listen to it. Let God speak to your heart. Not just the process of reading, but the process of learning and applying it to your own life. It's really important. All right, let's get back to uh, the book of Colossians. And I wanted to tell you, Pete, I thought that was a good study. And we are, are very blessed and fortunate when God brings uh, people across our path like that to warn us of these things and to let us know that that, that this is a serious thing, that, that, that discernment uh, is really necessary. Discernment comes from God's word and, and God's uh, preachers and prophets that stand up and proclaim that. It may not be a popular message, but it's a life-saving message if it causes us to examine ourselves. And uh, we, we just... We want to encourage, I appreciate, I appreciate that very much. So anyway, um, in uh, the book of Colossians, we've in chapter three, and, and the chapter three uses uh, illustrations of the old man and the new man, putting on the old man and uh, oh, taking off the old man or replacing the old man with the new man. And the... the I guess there are a lot of ways that you can describe the process that we are called to go through or to follow the Lord and try to apply obedience in our lives uh, to Him. And, and we do that. And we, we know that we, we are real believers, that we cannot really perform godly works apart from the enablement of the Spirit of God in our lives. We know that. And yet, at the same time, uh, he calls us to obey. He calls us to, to cooperate with him, to participate with him. And he uses terms, and one of the terms that uh, he uses is the term to put off or to lay aside. And I went through this morning, I was going through the New Testament to find a place where it's used just in normal terms. And I found one in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. You know, turn to it as you want to. You know the verse, but it's a passage of scripture that occurred uh, near the uh, conclusion of the stoning of Stephen. Remember, Stephen uh, was confronted by the Jews. He was uh, sharing the word with them, and they could not refute his wisdom. And they got to the place where they were so mad at him that they wanted to stone him. And it says in verse fifty-eight that when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him and the witnesses that were of that that witnessed this stoning laid aside their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Yeah. And so that that 
phrase laying aside the garment is like this. You just take off your garments and you lay it down. And that's that term is used figuratively several places in the New Testament, and we'll look at that to speak of laying aside the old life, the habits and the things in the in the old life uh, that are maybe a distraction or whatever. I'm going to share some of them with you because I think it's important that we think about this thing. Um, we've already looked at the passages preceding this uh, in verse 1. I'm going to just read through it to refresh your memory. In verse 1, uh, Paul writes, preceding the putting on is the putting off of the old man, the taking off of the godless lifestyle. Paul writes, it's therefore, or since you have been raised, this is verse 1 of chapter 3 of Colossians. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, to keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is manifested or revealed, then you will also be manifested or revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. And he gives a list of some of these passions, sensual immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So he's talking about things in your life to, to set aside, to put away. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. This warning, this is why we put these aside, things aside, because they bring God's judgment. But now also lay them all aside. Here is that same terminology. Lay them aside, wrath, anger, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. And then our take we're Picking up in the middle of verse 9, since you put off the old man with his evil practices and have put on the new man. Here's this process. Dealing with these things and dealing with them since you put off the old man. That's that, that language that seems to be very clear, and it is, and is taking off the old lifestyle and putting on, if you will, some of the things that we want to include in our life. Um, this is prominent in the scriptures, very popular. A lot of verses are, are given over to this process of taking off the habits, the passions, the things of the old life, and incorporating or putting on godly habits. Uh, Ephesians 4 is an example of that. Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 22, to lay aside in reference to your former conduct, the old man. So here's, he's saying, take this, this former conduct and take it off, lay it aside in reference to your former conduct, which is being corrupted with the lust of deceit. In other words, it's being corrupt with the lust that are deceitful lusts in your life. And, that, and you see, this is all, this is why this is so important, because uh, our life is corrupt. Our life, we are sinful. We are self-centered. We are wicked. We don't like to talk about it, but it's true. And so he's saying to take these lusts and these things that are deceitful, take them off, and to be renewed, says verse 23, 
in the spirit of your mind and put on, here it is, like a garment, put on the new man, which in the likeness of God, and get this word next, this next word, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. He said the new man, what we put on, that that process, which he's going to be talking about it in our text when he talks about being renewed, is having a, a, a touch of God's creative power in your life so that God is working in you and enabling you to cooperate with that uh, and reminding you. I, I know you know what I'm talking about. You've had opportunities for the Lord to remind you of things that that you think he wants you to do. And we want to cooperate with him. We want to, to see his hand of, of wisdom and his, his hand of blessing and him to use us. I was talking to Erica this morning. We were talking about having uh, fruit that comes to maturity. And we want to see that and we want to cooperate with the Lord and we want to be used of him so that there is something that comes forth from our life that gives us purpose for living, gives us reason for being here, and a purpose for existing. We want that to be in our lives. And so uh, that comes about as God uses our work and our commitment and our hearts for him. And so we take off these things, lay aside these former things, and put on these the new things, is what Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 says. And Peter, 1 Peter 2, uh, Peter is talking about laying aside the sin and longing for the word. Here is this contrast, which I think is really good. Peter writes, therefore, laying aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy with all slander. Get it? Now, Peter's talking about this, the same thing, taking aside, laying aside these things. Like newborn babes, here is the putting on. It doesn't say putting on. He says newborn babes long. But that's what it's talking about, longing for uh, the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow and respect salvation. Now, I, I take it in that verse that if you're not laying aside these things, you're not going to be growing and respect salvation. And if you're not putting all these things, you're not going to be growing in reference to salvation. And the emphasis in this one here is growing in the word. Applying the word we talked about this morning, which I thought was good. The, the, the word of God is the source. It's the one place. It's not your intuition. It is not the, the programs that you see on TV or your favorite uh, pastime of thinking about things, but it is the word of God as you read it and study it and seek to apply it to your heart and to your life. It's really, really important. That's what Peter says. Uh, Paul writes something similar to that in Romans 13, Romans 13, verses 12 through 14. Uh, he says this, in light of dealing with the battle that we're in, Paul writes, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that if you live in that kind of culture and you are saying the night is almost gone, the day is on, then whatever's going on at nighttime, is starting starting to end and the day is going to be coming in and the sun is going to be coming out. And so he says the day the night is almost gone, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. Now we know that the the um 
the struggles that we take place, the deeds of darkness generally spoken of, spoken of the scriptures take place at night. And so what he's saying is that these opportunities of, of depravity and things are coming to an end, that we will come out to the light of God's judgment and stuff. So we want to react, but we don't have a lot of time. We're in a hurry. And so he says, the night's almost gone, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. And by the way, if you remember in in, uh, in our book of Colossians, I want to give a good quote on that. Um, I think it was a, back in chapter one. You may have had that memorized. Colossians, it says, yes, it says, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son. That means we've got two kingdoms. We've got God's kingdom and we've got the kingdom of darkness. And so in the scripture, the kingdom of darkness is that that worldly kingdom that is opposed to God's work and God's and the church and things of this nature. And so when he talks about laying aside the deeds of darkness, he's talking about deeds that participate in, in rebellion, uh, in error, in depravity. And he goes on to say, uh, not only laying aside the deeds of darkness, but put on the armor of light. When the Bible talk, when we talk about putting on something, clothes, for example, why do we put clothes on? Well, of course, we put clothes on to cover our body. Most of us look better when we're wearing clothes. <laughs> but we do it, we, we put them on to, to because we, we don't want to grow naked. But we also put clothes on because it makes us look better. It also keeps us warm sometimes. It provides protection and things like that. If you were to be an astronaut and go to the moon, you would have a special clothing to enable you to survive in a different environment. The clothes uh, many times have a purpose. Here, in this passage, he says, put on, interesting word, the armor. What is armor for? Well, armor is for protection, isn't it? I was looking at Ephesians 6, a passage that you're familiar with, dealing with the armor of God. In Ephesians 6, Paul talking about the armor of God says, Finally, brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on, as opposed to put off, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand. The armor is that process of putting on the different pieces that comprise the armor to enable us to stand fast in the battle with the forces of darkness and with the flesh. It is that that provision that God is, is telling us about. And if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the passage in Ephesians 6, you ought to to read it and study it, but we get special if you go to the the study Bible, it helps explain the pieces of that armor to you because they enable you to stand and be victorious. And so you put on that, that armor and uh, put on the pieces that enable you to be clothed in that. And in the passage in Romans, he connects that with laying aside or taking off or getting rid of the deeds of darkness, the deeds that contribute to uh, being involved in the kingdom of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, 
But when he says the deeds of darkness, I, I, I don't think that he's accusing the church of being unsaved here, although there may be some in the church that, that are deceived. And we talked about that this morning. That's a very serious area of deception. But there are things that people do and that we can do that we clearly understand. And so they ought to make us they ought to make us sensitive to what is our motive and what is our goal and where are we going and why are we living and what's our purpose. And uh, I've had I've had that happen in my life where I've said, why am I doing this if I belong to the Lord? Why am I seeking this if I belong to Jesus? If he's my Lord, this has, has nothing to do with him and I need to really examine myself. And so I think these are, you know, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, uh, tells us that we are we were dead and trespassed in sins and God has made us alive and so if he's made us alive then in his life and by his spirit we can begin to do and apply the things that help us to grow you understand help us to, to reflect the love and the purpose of Christ and so in this passage he says that to lay aside the deeds of darkness and to put on the armor of light. It goes on to say, and I need to move on because I know it's getting late. Let us, he says, uh, let us walk properly as in the day, not carousing, not in drunkenness. That's the kind of walking at night we were talking about. Don't do that. Uh, uh, not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality, not in strife or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. First, uh, Second Corinthians three eighteen is the verse that I was looking at this morning, and I encourage you to turn to it. Second Corinthians three eighteen, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, and um, it's a it's, 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 it's message is very powerful. Second Corinthians three eighteen. Here's is um, Paul writing to the church. He's talking about liberty. Um, he says in verse 17, he says, the Lord, the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or there is freedom. But we are all with unveiled face. What's a veil? Hmm? It covers the face, exactly. We're all with unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. James tells us that the mirror frequently is, a, is an example or used in the figure of speech to speak of God's word. Where you look into God's word and God's word helps you to see an accurate reflection of what you're like. And James tells us not to be uh, forgetful hearers of the word, but let God's word affect you. Don't look at the word and see blemishes. And say, oh, I'll forget about that and go off and do your own thing. But if you see something wrong with your life and you look in God's word, which is we should do it every day, then as God shows us these things, we want to deal with it. And so in this passage here, he's talking about um, beholding as in a mirror the greatness of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory uh, as from the Lord the Spirit. Looking to the scriptures. We are seeing in the in the scriptures getting a picture of us and a picture of the Lord, and it's transforming, it's changing us as we do that. That's what we want, isn't it? We want our lives to change. We want to reflect the greatness and the mercy of Christ. And so we we do that 
um, it, talking about that veil, um, Paul writes in the next chapter, verse 4, he says, we don't lose heart. We have renounced the hidden things because of shame. These are sinful things. He says, we, we have renounced these things that that we are ashamed of. I, I don't know if you, I, I'm sure you have things in your life that you're ashamed of. I know I have things in my life that I've done that I'm ashamed of, even after being a believer. And uh, there's just things that that I'm not not proud of. And uh, so he says, I have things that, that are, are not shamed, that we're ashamed of. <clears throat> not walking in craftiness or adulterating, uh, misusing, if you will, the word of God but by manifestation unfolding of the truth, we are commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Here it is, talking about veil. If our gospel is veiled, if our gospel is concealed or hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So here we are in church, and we've talked about the gospel. Uh, we didn't mention repentance, that's part of the gospel. We didn't mention faith. But all of those things have to do with our relationship with the Lord, responding to his message, repenting of our sins. If it's veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said, gave the illustration of the sower went out to sow, and the first place he sowed seed was on the hard pathway. And the birds came and picked it up. That is an unresponsive heart. We don't want to be unresponsive. God is working in your heart. Listen to him. Don't walk away. You may walk away and you never have an opportunity to come back. And so don't, don't play games with him. He goes on to say, uh, talking about uh, the gospel is veiled and veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so he's saying here that the gospel gives us a picture of glory of God's glory, and that the unbelieving can't see that. They don't understand that. If God helps you to see that, and he helps me to see that, we want to appropriate that. Put that on and put off the things that blind us, if you will. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. He goes on to say, if we we do not we do not preach ourselves. We're not exalting ourselves, but rather we preach Christ as Lord and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus' sake. Here's my verse. He God says, for God who said, light shine out of darkness. That was in creation, right? God is the one that proclaimed light to shine out of darkness. And uh, God who said, light shine out of darkness is the one who has now shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the faith of Jesus Christ. And so where do we see God's glory and where is God's glory opened up to us? In the scriptures, but as we look at Christ, we to see, to see him, his face is to see him intimately in scripture. In the Old Testament, what did God say to Moses when he said, show me your glory? He said, no man can see my face and live. But here in the New Testament, we have the privilege of beholding Christ and we are seeing God's glory manifested in his face and seeing that glory affects us. 
And so when we talk about putting on these things, as Peter talks about the, the word, we're putting on the word, we are incorporating it into our daily life. And as we do that, we behold the face of Christ. We are changed and we are, we are made more like the Lord. We are, it, it develops, you understand, it develops our heart. It develops our life as we behold the greatness of our Savior in the face of Jesus Christ and, and his glory in the word, in the scriptures. That's why we talk about it, that it's, it's really, really, really important. Um, and I'm going to have to stop at these words. But this, next time we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of being renewed in the scriptures, what it says, uh, who is being renewed in the full knowledge according to the image of the one who created it. Him. Because when we come to the scripture, and that's a powerful word, it gives us life, it gives us renewal, and he goes on to say, um, according to the image of, uh, of the one that is God who created him, so that there is this infusion, if you will, as we're looking into the word, of seeing how we are renewed, we put all this new life, and God works in that to help us become more real. Maybe is a good way to say it. More Christ-like. It's not. It's not religion. Uh, years ago, there was a book that came out: how to be, um, how to be saved without being religious. I think is what the term was. And um, it's not trying to be religious. It's not wearing a lapel pin that has a cross on it or going around and trying to do something to display some kind of religious air uh, or whatever. It is knowing the Lord and following him and seeing him and putting on those habits that help us to display that, that help us to be real, help us to be real in our walk with the Lord. Um, I think I think the reason why, between you and me, that there is such a stress in the Sermon on the Mount there at the end is for that very reason, that the one place where there is the pressure to be hypocritical is in the church. It's not a pressure outside. Your friends don't expect you to be religious, but in the church they do. And uh, in the church, we can put on a good show. And the worst thing is we can deceive ourselves. And if we deceive ourselves, and I'm aware of that. I'm aware of that with me. And I'm aware of that with you. And so I don't want to be deceived at that point. I don't want to be wrong. I want to be real. And so I seek to do that. Jesus said in John 15, he talked about the vine and the branches. And fruitfulness is the byproduct of abiding in Christ. That's the whole purpose of the abiding in the branch is to abide in him. And the way you abide in him is through his word. Come to him. That's really, really important. I appreciate, Dory, your testimony this morning. I really do appreciate you sharing with me. Very excited. I've prayed for you, and I know you've been praying for me for a long time. And I pray for your family as well. And God's working. He's really good. Let's go to prayer. Dear Father, thank you for um, what you're doing and the things that we see, not just in the lives of others, but in our own life. And I thank you, Lord. I really thank you for your infinite mercy and grace. 
I do not want to be one of those to hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. I'd rather, much rather, infinitely rather ask that I would be, is it possible it may sound, be one who hears the words, well done. And so I, I ask you on behalf of the church, and I ask you on behalf of myself, and I ask you on behalf of my family, and I, I ask you to help me and help us really take you seriously in our lives, to follow you, to put you first, and to love you. And Lord, we're talking about this whole process of putting on the garments. These are garments that are garments of, of Christ-likeness, uh, putting the Bible to be, look at the verse, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Help me to do that. Help it to be real in my life. Help me not to be, I don't want to be hypocrite. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to hear words like "depart from me" when I stand before you. So I'm asking you to help me be real. I'm asking you to help us be real, and just work. Spare no expense, and be as hard as you have to be to bring us on our knees before you to surrender to you. And thank you for being our shepherd and for loving us and for what you're doing. We give you the praise and the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.